Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass, and thank you, as always, for joining me. Now, I want to start by asking you a question. Would you describe yourself as an emotional person? You know, someone whose emotions get the best of them, or maybe someone who makes emotional decisions, or maybe you're just a person who feels things very deeply. Are you an emotional person? Well, according to a survey of Americans in 2021, only 32% of people describe themselves as emotional, while 51% describe themselves as rational or logical, which many people think is the opposite of being emotional. Now, I would not describe myself as an emotional person. I mean, I've taken almost all of the personality and the strengths tests that are out there, and anything having to do with emotions is u- almost universally at the bottom of my list of strengths. I took one test that shows where people are on an emotional scale uh, using a pillow at one end and a brick wall at the other. And most of the people who took the test with me, they fell somewhere in between being soft like a pillow or somewhere in the middle. And no joke, I was all brick, no pillow. Which was unsurprising because I've always tended to view myself as a person who's driven by logic rather than a person who's driven by emotion. But the fact is, that's not really true. You may describe yourself as not emotional, but we all feel the same emotions. Did you know that the average person has more than 400 emotional experiences every single day? And we may not all react to them in the same way, but at our heart, we really are all emotional people. For example, how do you feel when you look at this? Maybe you feel something like delight or happiness. I mean, this kitten is so cute. How about this? Maybe you feel disgust and fear, which is exactly what my wife would feel because she hates snakes. But I actually like snakes. So when I look at this, I feel awe and excitement. It's interesting that one thing could prompt such completely different emotions in people. Finally, here's a picture of my dog, Minnie. Now maybe you see her and you feel love and joy because she looks so sweet. But if you actually know Minnie, you're probably feeling something more like terror which is the correct emotion to feel because many would rather eat your face than be your friend. She's terrible. No matter what you felt when you looked at these pictures, each one of them elicited some kind of emotion out of you because we are all emotional people. We all experience emotions every day. They regulate our thoughts, they affect our reactions and influence all of our relationships. In many ways, emotions determine the course of our lives. Our emotions are also a fundamental way that we experience God. I don't personally know anyone who thought or rationalized themselves into a relationship with God. The rational rational and logical part of faith is crucially important for a lot of people, including me. But in the same way that we have emotional responses to pictures of kittens and snakes, we also have emotional reactions to God or the idea of God. And for those of us who believe in a God who created everything, we have to believe that we were physically created as emotional beings. Now, whether you believe in a creator or not, there's no denying 
that our emotions affect our relationships, uh, our work lives, our family lives, even our spiritual lives. But even with all of that, I don't think we often understand our feelings or how to manage them. Emotions that are meant to guide us through life can instead end up hurting us or hurting others or creating negative patterns and habits that kind of ripple through our lives, which makes me wonder, if God created us as emotional beings, why do our feelings cause us so many problems? And if God created feelings, how do we make sense of the bad ones? I mean, joy, happiness, and love, they all make sense. But what do we do with fear, anxiety, sadness, doubt? So as a church, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And today, honestly, is a bit of a milestone because after two years, 92 messages, and 21 different message series, we are officially halfway through Matthew. So, I mean, that's cool. But in Matthew 14, we find a series of stories that highlight the impact of feelings, both our feelings and God's feelings. And today, we're going to begin by taking a look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. It says this, When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why he can do such miracles. Because Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry her. And so Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. So this story is a little bit of a side path that Matthew takes in order to set up everything that is going to follow. So in this story, Herod's reaction to Jesus, when he hears about Jesus' teachings and the miracles, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Herod's reaction was based on his relationship with John the Baptist, who is actually Jesus' cousin. Herod had imprisoned John because John criticized him for, for his marriage, for marrying his brother's wife, and Herod wanted to get rid of John. The story continues in verse 6. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he'd said, but because of the vow he'd made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Now there's a lot here in this story, and honestly, we could probably do a message just about a lot of that stuff. Because you just look at this, and, and through a horrific series of events, Jesus's cousin John was executed, and he had his head publicly brought out to entertain Herod's party guests. I mean, this isn't just like hearing that your cousin died of a heart attack or a car accident. I mean, this is, this is a gruesome and evil way to die. But the story continues in verse 12. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So after John's death, his disciples came and they go to Jesus and they tell him what happened. 
They tell him about the horrible way that John was killed. They told Jesus about how John's head was displayed at a party that was hosted by the ruler of the region that Jesus lived in for the entertainment of his guests. John was Jesus' cousin. I mean, they were the same age. They probably grew up together. It's very likely that John was more like a brother to Jesus than a cousin, and he'd been killed. His body desecrated and mocked. Many of us have experienced the loss of someone we love. Now, maybe it was expected. Maybe we had an elderly or sick parent or grandparent. But maybe it was a complete surprise. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of funerals, but my first three funerals were all children. A baby, a 13-year-old, and a 16-year-old. It's just awful. And the circumstances may be as different and unique as each person who passes away, but there is one common thread that is woven into every loss of someone we love. One common emotion, grief. And while what happened to John was awful, I don't want to focus as much on that story as much as I want to look at Jesus' response. Because when Jesus heard about John's death, he got into a boat all by himself and he went off to a remote area to be alone because he felt sorrow and sadness. Jesus felt grief. And this isn't the only time that Jesus felt the emotion of grief in the Gospels. Look at the story of Lazarus, the brother of Mary Magdalene and, and one of Jesus' friends when Lazarus died. We see it in John 11. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. Now we know the end of this story, that Jesus raised him from the dead. In fact, the way that John tells this story, Jesus knew in advance that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead before he even got there. Which makes Jesus' emotional reaction to Lazarus' death so surprising. Because John goes into detail to show us the grief of Jesus at the loss of his friend. A deep anger welled up within him. He was deeply troubled and he wept. He cried. If you've ever lost someone, none of this is surprising. These are the qualities of grief, anger, sorrow, confusion. And they can burst out of us in just these bouts of uncontrollable crying. Not the single tear that you see rolling down someone's face in a movie, but I'm talking about that ugly crying where all of your muscles contract and it's hard to even stand up. I'm talking about real human grief. And that's what Jesus felt at the death of Lazarus. It's also what he felt when he heard about the death of John. Jesus felt and experienced real grief. And there's a reason the grief of Jesus is so important for us to see and to remember. Now, John, who described Jesus's grief, he started his gospel by making something very clear that's relevant to all this. And in John 1, 1 and 14, he says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So the word became human and made his home among us. 
He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So according to John, Jesus was God. And the people who saw Jesus, they saw the full expression of who God is in human form. I mean, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Colossians 1, 15 and 19. Paul says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Jesus was God in all his fullness. If we want to know what God is like, the best picture we have available to us is Jesus. Jesus is God's fullest revelation of himself to us. And John paints a picture of Jesus grieving the loss of someone he loved that is so full and complete that anyone who's experienced grief can recognize it. Jesus felt grief. And followers of Jesus, we follow a God who grieves. So why does this matter? Why is it important to know that God experiences grief? Because it means God feels what we feel. It means he's with us. He understands us. He's not some alien, distant, demanding God, but a close, empathetic God. Think about it this way. As followers of Jesus, we believe God is our creator, that the universe and everything in it is all part of his design. That means our emotions are part of his design. Not just the good ones like love and joy, but all of them. Grief, sorrow, sadness, doubt. And our capacity to experience these emotions, it doesn't come from brokenness. They are not negative emotions that we only feel because we're damaged. They are not feelings we experience just because of our human weakness. Rather, they are built into the core of our humanity because they reflect the image of God. We have a wide range of emotions because God has a wide range of emotions and all of creation echoes who he is. Look at what Hebrews chapter 4 and 14 says. It says, so, so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do. If you've ever suffered with grief or depression or anxiety, you know how difficult it can be. And maybe you've looked for help in the church. And maybe if you did, you were told this. You were told something like, you know, you need to pray more. The only reason you're struggling with those negative emotions is because you haven't given them over to God. It's almost as if those emotions are a result of us not being close enough to God, as if these are sinful emotions that'll go away and get replaced by holy emotions when we do the hard work of drawing close to God. But that's just not true. Jesus experienced these same emotions. They are both totally human and totally holy. We are emotional beings because God is an emotional being. And while it's true that our emotional experiences may be disordered and imperfect, it doesn't mean God is distant from us when we are in our feelings. Because, and here's the main point today, a God who grieves is a God who understands. 
Sometimes in our messages, there is a practical takeaway, a, a go do this type of thing that we can all go and do. But today's different. Our takeaway is not something to do as much as it is something to reflect on. What does it mean that we follow a God who experiences and understands the same emotions we do? Often in life, the best help we ever get is from people who have gone through the same things that we are going through. People who have shared the same experiences that we are experiencing and who have come out on the other side. Those people are often the best guides to help us navigate through those things. People who've suffered trauma can help us through trauma of our own. People who've gone through intense medical issues understand what it's like when we have our own medical issues. Uh, people who've experienced grief have the ability to guide us through our own grief. And while our emotions, I mean, they really can be disordered and expressed imperfectly, there is a perfect God who understands what you are feeling and he can help you. He may not take those feelings away. I mean, he created them. They are part of how he intends for us to interact with him and with others in the world. But he will help you. When you feel sorrow, grief, anxiety, doubt, you can know that Jesus also felt all of those things and that he's with you. He understands you and he's there to help you in your darkest moments. Our emotions are carefully designed and given to us by God so that we can experience the fullness of life that's only found in Him. Our feelings are both human and holy, but they can only be fully understood in the light of the God who feels them too. So may we be people who embrace our emotions as a gift from God and express them in the ways that Jesus did, in ways that are helpful, not hurtful. And when we struggle to understand what we are feeling and what we're going through, may we go to God for help. May we experience true emotional health and holiness, both in community with God and with his people. And may we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn as we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. I'll see you next week as we continue on in our message series about our feelings and emotions. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.